This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. There will be spoilers in this episode specifically from the worlds Sarah J. Mass has created, as well as topics mentioning sex work, physical violence, and substance abuse. Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing Queen of Shadows, the book that Jessica stayed up all night to finish for this recording. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself, but at the same time, I have it's just been fun recording immediately after, or almost immediately after. It is. 4 30 in the morning right now i finished a little after two obviously i'm just laying in bed how do i go to sleep right away and i have to work at 6 30 in the morning so that's why we're recording so early today so (laughs) we're a little off but super excited i don't drink coffee in the morning i'm that crazy person so if we sound off that that's that's why we usually record later on (laughs) I have to say it's 10.30 where I am, and I've been up for a very long time, and I am super caffeinated. So we are very opposite today, and that is just fine. (laughs) Oh, it's funny that you say that. I was commenting on – I can't think of whose post it is off the top of my head, but they were just asking, like, one of the questions of the day on Instagram. And they were like, oh, what do you prefer? And I filled it out for both of us. I go, you know, it was like iced or hot, coffee or tea, cream or sugar. And I definitely go, Laura, she likes her – coffee she likes black hot coffee and the oh and it was like a sit or stroll and i go and she likes sitting down enjoying her cup of coffee and i go me i go i like an iced flavored tea no cream no sugar and i like to stroll and i do like to stroll i think of all the times like i like to grab a drink and just walk around like go to central park or something and they commented they go Oh, you guys are complete opposites, but you sound so great. It works for us. <laughs> it does work. You know, I was like, I can't believe. I mean, after all this time, you're so good about taking care of me, even whether you were in, you know, in Princeton or when I'm over there, you always have the tea ready. You always have, you know how I'm going to take everything. So I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you for getting up so early and joining <laughs> this, this little discussion about Queen of Shadows. Queen of Shadows is... I think one of the most important books in the series, it is where we really tighten all the threads and all the plot lines kind of come together and you can kind of see where it's going, but you can kind of not see where it's going because no one really sees where it's going. On that, one of the things that I was thinking last, I don't know, a little bit ago, (laughs) remember how with Throne of Glass, Crown of Midnight and Assassin's Blade and part of Era of Fire, it felt like it was a section of Selena slash Aelin's life that was just kind of getting packaged up, putting a little bow on it, and then saying, okay, this section, chapter of her life is done. We're going to move on. I felt like at the end of this book, it was a similar occurrence because they finally make it to Terrace and she starts developing her court. It's only part of the plot that they thought was solved 
now they have to go on to this. Okay, it, it's a bigger it's a bigger thing than they thought. So we're moving on to that next section slash chapter. Yeah, you can say that this is the end of Selena slash Aelin's time in Rifthold. Okay. And now the world just expands a little bit more because now she's going to Terrison. You know, she's finally going there. So her chapter in Rifthold is done. So is that scene at the end? And I've seen a lot of, I think, maybe Blissfully Bookish or one of the other shops or all of them. They have very similar scenes or enamel pins of Aelin in this outfit and she's walking up a green hill. Is that this scene where she's looking onto Terrison? No. Oh, okay. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, although it could be, but the scene that most of those images are referring to is much later on. Okay. I'll send you some aesthetics on TikTok of Terrison so you can get a good idea of what it looks like. It is beautiful. Actually, uh, quite similar. They compare it a lot to uh, Bavaria, where I am. Okay. Yeah, green, lush mountains, snow, snow and pine. Snow and pine. Oh, I loved that. I loved where she was coming into Terrison. She goes, oh my gosh, I smell. And then, and I don't know if Rowan is from Terrison, but he makes the comment. He goes, it's like, I this is where I was supposed to be my entire life. And, oh. I love I love them together. I love him. I love him. He's definitely my favorite male so far that we've met. In Throne of Glass or in Sarah's World? In Throne of Glass. Okay. But I don't look at him the way I'm, oh my gosh, like Reese is my perfect man. I love Rowan. I think he's the perfect man for Aelin, but he's not my perfect man. But he's my favorite. He's so far like my favorite one in Throne of Glass. I saw in your notes that you were wondering if they were just going to straight up bang, right? And you're like, oh, oh, they're just kissing. Yeah. I, you know what? Maybe part of it's because I just felt like it was implied because of the reels that Peachy was posting. And I had seen the reels before I had even read the books and you had just coach me you said save those for later like that mm-hmm. scene is coming up so i just assumed that okay this is what's gonna happen there's gonna be some steaminess maybe it's gonna be like end of the world hookup i don't know i would think so <laughs> but no but i also i also like that even though it was just a kiss now of course i have the killers in my head i like where she pulled away and then he just he literally begs he's like wait I want to do that again and she's like "Mm, no I I just I'm all about Aelin I love I love her I love her the sass in the gold nightgown right yes I love it I love I love the confidence I love her swagger I love who she has to channel when she needs to channel a certain person I feel like we all kind of have to dig down into ourselves from time to time and remember who the fuck we are right and i and i love that she does it and even if she has to fake it to throw off her enemies she's like i'm gonna i have to act like this even if i have to convince myself or it just comes naturally i just i really at this point in the book and i know i still have more characters to read and laura we had this conversation before where you said, I definitely know who's going to be your favorite female character in the series, but I have no idea who's going to be your favorite male character in the series. Do you see where I might be yet? I can see you between two. For which one? One you haven't met yet and one being Rowan. 
Okay, did you know it was going to be Rowan? or, or it, every, it's, Everyone loves Rowan. <laughs> everyone loves Rowan. Well, I mean, like, how do you not? And Pine and Snow, like, I love Pine. I am a Christmas baby. I love good smelling pine trees. There is a lot of criticism that Sarah gets when she is describing the smell and scent of characters and people kind of go like, well, how can you smell snow? Well, I have to tell you, living where I live in Germany right now, I can smell snow. I know you what smell that smells snow. like. Yeah. So, you know, before it snows, you go, it smells like snow. And same thing with rain. You, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, it's funny because We've both grown up in a variety of different environments. And it's just like September, mid, like second week September in Florida. You know the difference between rain during hurricane season, approaching hurricane rain, and then just regular rain in April. It's very specific. And, you know, I think a lot of people can say that about places where they've lived. They're like, oh, yeah, I don't might not understand where they're coming from. But I definitely know when we're having like a crazy drought day or heat, like summer in July smells different than the same temperature in March. You know? Yeah. My mom lives in Arizona and you can smell like the dust on the wind before like a dust storm. It's just different. So like I I understand. I mean, how do you smell moonlight? Like, okay. I saw a TikTok about that yesterday when I was scrolling. It was like something in nutmeg, something in thunder. And they were mocking the whole description because it's usually like a two worded description. Mm hmm. And I was laughing because I do, you do see that a lot in her reading. It smells like A and B, but I, I get it. It smells like pine and snow like that. I love that smell. <laughs> and it, like, I think we said in a previous episode, like I always think of the mucha pine gelato. Mm-hmm. How is that not appealing? I want to smell like that all the time. As long as we're talking about Rowan, let's talk about the nonverbal communication that Rowan and Aelin have in this book because I know I made it a point to point it out to you when I was reading the print as opposed to you listening to it and I'm thinking specifically of the scene with Arobin when they all go to meet Arobin and they're like sexting each other mind to mind at the table we love that I love that and I'm glad that you pointed it out because this whole time I had no idea that there was this telepathy thing going on between them and then maybe it was just the timely conversation because as soon as you said that I was reading the extra chapter from Era Fire and then I was getting into the Queen of Shadows part where they were it was just Aelin, Rowan, and Adian at the table and they were just communicating telepathically and Adian's like that will never not be weird I didn't know that they were doing it telepathically that whole time. I thought it was just assuming that it was just a look, you know, when a writer says like, oh, he gave me a look. And then you just assume that that look implies X, Y, Z. But I didn't realize that that implied thought was actually a shared thought. Yeah, it's important in their relationship. And also, I think another complaint that is in the Throne of Glass series is that it has no spice until later on. Why does everybody have to be wrapped up in the spice? I don't know. I mean, I guess we all are very horny and just want our characters (laughs) to fuck. Like, okay. But I think that in these particular situations, especially because, you know, as Selena, she was fucking kale. And now with Rowan, like they were kind of enemies and then they were friends and now they're deeply bonded. And now they have basically declared that they're in love with each other, but they're not 
taking the next step yet. Just because, right. I mean, it's basically circumstances. They're just not alone yet in a place that they feel comfortable. But I really think it just kind of establishes that you don't have to start fucking right away and that there's something that is deeper and more important there. I think this goes back to our conversations regarding sex positivity and having a relationship established. And I mean, to each their own. But I think that's also probably why everybody is kind of it's the slow burn of leading up to it. You know, it's its own sort of foreplay in a way. I mean, and there's a lot of relationships that start off this way. Also, that you are friends first and you you have these deep relationships that are established and under somebody, you know, and I think of what Dorian said in Air of Fire, where he goes, you don't get to pick which parts of her to love. And it's seeing all of her and loving her anyway. And that's what happens in a lot of friendships, too. And whether that goes beyond platonic or not, you are still appreciating that person and accepting them as they are anyway. And I know in this book, Aelin goes to Arabin. We find out Arabin dies and she has to put on like her quote unquote Selena mask because of all the other assassins that are around. And Rowan and I think Adian, they both it's implied and kind of said also that they don't like that they had to see this version of her. This is the type of person she had to act to survive. And I texted you and I said, you know, I love Selena. I love every way we get her because there is a reason that she is the way she is. She's a survivor and she did what she needed to. And I think that's important to note. And, I, and that's what made me think of the Dorian line. I go, I love her in every version that we're getting because they're each so important to who she is as a person. And if you want to take that and go the exact opposite, Kaol in this book is just awful. He's horrible. I mean, he he calls her to her face a monster. You know, he's I'm I don't want to tell you how to get magic back because then there'll be no checks and balances on like you people, which is awful and a terrible <sighs> thing to say. And then he fucks up again. I mean, he fucks up a lot, but then he fucks up again in Oakwald after everybody comes together and we have that fantastic scene in Oakwald Forest where you know. Who's there? It's Rowan and Aelin and Kale and... Adian. Adian and Lysandra is in the, the wagon and Nezrin and then the grandmother and the king and Dorian and the 13. Like, they're all there. And then everything happens. All the shit goes down. And Kale just runs off. And he doesn't even go the right way. He goes the wrong way. And ends up in front of Manon. And that's how we get the Aelin Manon introduction. And she has to save him again. Kale reminds me of they had a relationship that was good for a while. I can't deny it because we all know I was all about that because I was I'm just a fucking stupid bitch. And her relationship with Kale reminds me of when, like, you have a relationship with a significant other, you know, and you're just like, I can't believe I fucked you. Like, can I take can I take that back? Their whole relationship where you're like, oh, my gosh, I love this person. And then it's just an angry breakup. You're gaslighting each other. You're saying terrible things. And that's not the person you are, typically. I mean, in this case, it's totally Kale. We had a conversation earlier this week or like. 
Kale is this type of person. This is who he would have voted for. He's the guy who would have been at the Capitol this week, right? He's he's fucking Chad. He is Chad in this scenario. And I think I told you, I go, I don't know what his character arc was going to be. But I said, is he like Tamlin? Are we going to want a redemption arc for him? Because I can't right now. I do not have the patience for Kale. This is not a spoiler in any way, shape or form. Kale and Nezrin are going to the southern continent. We know this. Okay. Is there a map? I haven't, I didn't look one up. I have my Aurelia map and my Wendland map. Do I look, should I, that I pull, that I keep up when I'm reading? Uh, No. Okay. You don't need to because Kale has his own book and that book is Tower of Dawn. Oh. Which is why. That's why nobody likes it. So I know one likes it. Uh, Although objectively, it's fine. Objectively, it's fine. It's good. It is necessary. Okay. It's all necessary, but like, it's Kale's book. I can't believe I liked him. This is how I know I I have growth, whether it's in my personal life or my literary life, because I just can't stand him. If we're talking about the Southern Continent, then let's talk about the undercurrent that we have here. So Aelin makes the choice, makes the conscious choice to go back and save Manon when the temple is crumbling because she says that she feels a tug. And we know that to be like a tug of fate, like someone is guiding her to to do this. And she says the last time that she felt that was when she gave money to the healer to go to the southern continent, to go train, to be a healer. That's the last time. The healer in Assassin's Blade, for exactly. anybody who's, question, yeah. who's wondering. So I feel like it kind of underlines how important Assassin's Blade is because you wouldn't know what that means. I feel like Assassin's Blade is integrated into this book. It is. Oh, absolutely. And it adds to the experience. I do not understand. I get there's a lot of people who don't believe in reading the prequel, reading it in whatever order, but I feel like it's essential to understand the depth of the emotions and like it's all it's all over every time something came up. I mean, even to the point where at the end where they're packing up for Terrison and they describe the black stallion that Rowan was riding. I'm like, oh, if Crusader showed up, I was going to be so excited. But just physically, I immediately thought of Crusader. And here's the thing. The beginning part of this book, Sam is the invisible character that we don't see, but he is absolutely everywhere. He's in the apartment. He's at Aerobins. I mean, obviously, he's the the graveyard, but... And I said this to you earlier, but the growth of Selena. So after she meets up with Rowan and he he stinks because he's been a stowaway for like weeks on a boat. She's like, you need to take a bath. So he goes and he takes a bath in her tub in her apartment and she wordlessly hands him her lavender soap. That is such a small moment that you would not think about unless you had read Assassin's Blade where you know that Selena and Sam had kind of like a fight about that because he kept using her expensive lavender soap even though she asked him not to. And it's just like she doesn't care with Rowan like everything. She's matured. She's grown and her priorities are different. And it's just... I don't know. It's really important. It's just one of those tiny moments, kind of like the suit when Arobin sends her the suit and, you know, she remembers that when she first had it made and then Sam had it too. And 
Uh, or in the vaults in the very beginning where she looks over and she's like, you know, I swear I could see Sam, 18 years old, sweating, fighting in the pits. It's like, ugh. Damn. We love you. We like Sam. And Sam is a good character. He's a great first boyfriend. I mean, it's kind of unfair for other people following Sam and her romantic, her initial romantic relationships because he puts the standard really high. I mean, usually your first boyfriend or whatnot or, you know, significant other, the emotions are there, the hormones are there. But it's a trial period. You're learning what you want in a relationship down to the soap of the compromise of it all. And Sam's just, he puts the standard so high for her, unknowingly for her at the time, where, well, that sucks for anybody who comes after him because he's at this pedestal, rightfully so, too. And also Rowan completely respects that, which I I feel is something else that isn't really talked about. Like Rowan lays the stones on the grave And Aelin says, like, you know, this is Sam. And he's like, I know what he meant to you. And that's really beautiful. Talk about, we were talking the other day about Reese having a lot of confidence. But Rowan also has a lot of confidence to to not ever feel threatened or turn away from that part of her life or be jealous. And he just acknowledges, like, yes, I, I get this. This is a huge part of your life. He's gone. No one can replace him. And that is wonderful. We stand. There's such a respect with some of these characters. And I think that's also where a lot of the adoration comes from the community is we, and you know, and and I understand that's also where there is backlash where we say like, oh my gosh, first we love these characters. We love the respect. And part of it's probably because we don't see it often from people, you know, from other people in our lives. And then you have the backlash of, well, this is bare minimum, right? And we've had this conversation before. And so you have people who are chastising us to be all excited and hard eyes about everything. And we're like, well, that's the bare minimum. But then if we're going back to say, if we're excited about bare minimum, we're also getting chastised for saying, well, you have too high standards. You're being picky. So my bare minimum high standards is what makes me pick. It's just, it's so... It just goes in circles sometimes. Let me let me have my bare minimum high standards and not accept anything less. Speaking of not accepting anything less, I just want to bring up how very sexy Dorian is. Dorian's your number one, right? Ooh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, come on. I've got a quote here. <laughs> it's when Dorian and Aelin are on the bridge. So it's if you're in print or in the ebook on Kindle, it's page 574. Aelin and Dorian, like, they're holding hands. And before that, Dorian goes through, like, the internal kind of battle. And then he, like, rips the collar off of his neck. Mm -hmm. Very hot. And then, you know, the quote, so the world ended and the next began. And then Rowan sees them. Yes, I love that when they had this moment of unity with Mm -hmm. when they're going against his dad. And then Rowan says that they were glowing like newborn gods and that Dorian's power was infinite. I mean, that's what I want in a man. I want a man with unlimited <laughs> magical power that's also super hot <laughs> and also a king. I mean, yeah. Why is that too much to ask? But <laughs> um, I love, I love Dorian and Manon. And I know we're only getting like just a, a glimpse, a glimpse here, but 
hello, witchling, hello, princeling. Uh, you see it all over. I loved that part. I loved that even despite having the Prince Vogue in him. He was still flirting. I, that, <laughs> I, I go, see, little things like that. I go, okay, Laura, I totally see it. I mean, we, we've always said it's great that we are very similar, but we have pretty opposite taste in men. But I see it there. I'm like, he's a flirt. He's He goes there. I don't know. I like smiling. <laughs> I like when he's flirting with Manon when they're in the, the clearing in Oakwald and he's like, oh, I'm in charge now. Like the demon, the demon is scared because she has the eyes of the Vald Kings and that's a whole other plot line. But he has control for the first time. And the for the first time he has control, he's just like, yeah, I want you to rail me. I loved that. She he, she's like, do you want do you want me to kill you? And he's like, I want you to do a lot of things to me. I was like, oh, Dorian. Like, yes, yes, I want you to do a lot of things to me too, Dorian. <laughs> so hot. Um, but speaking of doing things, I know that Dorian Manon, I love it, but there's a lot of Dorian and Kale in this book. Oh, yeah. One of the quotes is like, he dropped to his, oh, because... Kale was still in a coma and Dorian finally had come out of it. And there's this line, something about like, he dropped to his knees. Oh, this is Kale talking about Dorian. Dorian dropped to his knees, held and clutched his hand, brows to his head. I thought you were dead. And that's Dorian to Kale. And that's just one of the things that made me think of like, they had to have been a thing at some point. And on top of that, I love when Kale says to Dorian, I'm not leaving you, not again. I just got you back. Such broke back mountain vibes where I was like, I can't quit you. Like, that's how I felt reading this. I go, this is such, and it's fine, but I don't understand two things. I don't understand why it could have been written that way to have both of them be together. I understand why there's a lot of people who say, you made a comment that this is one of the ships that people said if the writer challenged herself. Had the courage. Yeah. Yeah. If Sarah had the courage, yeah. then she would have made them a thing. But and again, and then he's like, the king wiped away Kale's tears. And it reminded me of our Crescent City episode because Bryce was so damaged and so hurt over the loss of Danica. And everybody just said like, oh, well, were you lovers because you care about her so deeply? And we had this conversation where you had asked, if they were men, would this even be a conversation? And that's how I felt this was, where this is definitely more intimate than scenarios that were described between Bryce and Danica. And it's not even implied at all. In the next book, which is Empire of Storms, there's a few comments that Dorian makes where you're like, oh, Oh, well, okay, Dorian. But Kale doesn't like have that kind of side of him. It's never really shown where he would be receptive, but Dorian's all about it. Of course he is. Just know that going forward. Dorian appreciates beauty in all forms. Right. That's very, it reminds me of Cardin. Yeah. From the Cruel Friends. Of course. <laughs> of well, course. I, I don't know. We don't know who's listening. <laughs> Shout out Holly Black. Shout out. So how do you feel about are three female characters that we haven't talked about. Caltaine, Lysandra, and Elide. How are we feeling about them? It's funny because I love Lysandra's arc. I think I like her more than Nehemia. 
which I never thought I was going to say. And I know I had sent you some notes, especially between Caltaine and Lysandra. I just want to punch her in the fucking throat. She's she, Why is she acting like this? She's being so nasty. And I know everybody who's nasty in, in Sarah's world, there's always a reason. But that doesn't mean I don't like them in that moment. But you, every time I said something about them, you would say, screenshot. That's all you would say because you wanted to not throw it back in my face, but like throw it back in my face. Like, Just have proof. Look at your growth and where you mm-hmm. were at the beginning. I really liked Lysandra at the end of this book. I thought it was so sweet. I thought Aelin, she needs that female friendship. And I and I say that I really appreciate Sarah's continual need, not need, but the importance that she focuses on female friendships in her books. And I say that understanding that I read this out of order from when everything was released. So really, this series was the start of that focus. Um, But I'm also a jaded person. So I was waiting for the other shoe to drop with Lysandra specifically. So it's been refreshing to not see it drop yet. I love that she came when magic came. She just knew she had to be there for her friends in whatever capacity. And I think that's definitely a trait that I've looked for in my friends unintentionally and in myself. Like, what? how can I be there for you? I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know how I can make this better, but I need to do something. And that's just, I love that that's very Lysandra. I think she's so smart that when she was a shifter, she's just attuned to other people. It's very much about reading people. And that's what makes Lysandra good at her current job. I love that Aelin bought her out of her contract with Clarice and Evangeline. I think that's beautiful. I love that she has her own land. I love that there's just such a direction that things are being reshaped. Even at the end of this book, Dorian makes a comment like, I'm king of Otterlin, like you're queen of Terrison. Like we're not, how are we going to do this? And she brings up a good point. She's like, it couldn't have been done before because of the previous rulers. Like we're we're all on equal ground right now. Just because things are established doesn't mean it has to stay this way. And I think that was important because even with Lysandra having the, her her territory now in Terrison, she goes, I don't know how to run a land. And Aelin's like, you think I do? <laughs> I haven't. I don't know what I'm doing. We're all kind of just doing, we're winging it together. And I think that was really, I, I, I look forward to seeing all of the characters that we've met so far, how they're going to grow in their roles. Even Nezrin, as she's, instead of Kale leading the military within Otterlin, he's going to be Dorian's second in command. So that means somebody else has to take over, be a general. And so it's going to be Nezrin. And then it's like, oh, but there's never been a female guard. Okay, and? I really like that. I really like the reshaping of this new world. How much do we love that Lysandra threw up on Lorcan? I love that. At first I was like, wait, why is she throwing up black? And I go, she mauled everybody. Yeah. And I, I love it that like that's how maybe it's just her strength in her shifting capabilities. But everybody says like how hard it is to defeat the Vogue. And she just... She just decimated them when she showed up. I, I love that. We love Lysandra. And I love that she took that form. She had no idea what a ghost leopard was. And then all of a sudden she goes, that's that's what I want. I really like this new body. I want to I wanna keep doing it. And even the third truck to Terrace and they're like, oh, she would like play with Fleetfoot. She would fly with Rowan. She's like testing out her new abilities because she was never openly allowed to be who she was since she was a kid. So let, let's circle back to Caltaine. 
Because you kind of had the same yeah same uh, vibe with uh, Lysandra and Caltane. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Caltane. I still wanted to punch her in the throat. But I said, I feel bad for her. She's going to be a pawn. I know she is. But sometimes I just don't understand. Just because... Sometimes it makes me feel like we go back to the Nesta conversation. I understand that you're upset. I understand you have your own issues that you're dealing with. But that doesn't mean you need to be so terrible, outwardly terrible to other people. And this also goes to previous conversations where siblings in a household, same environment, same parenting, same genetics, and you have one who handles certain situations one way and you have another handling situations another way. So I feel that's how kind of I was with Caltane. I was like, look, she's, I get it. But at the same time, why do you have to suck so bad? Why do you have to be taunting? Why do you have to do, but I like her. I think she's strong, but that's it. Like, I feel like this story was her redemption arc for the last couple books, you know? Absolutely. And I'm looking at your notes and it said, did she always know she had Shadowfire? Is that why oh. she was imprisoned? Duke Parrington knew that she had a very strong magic line dormant in her blood, and that's why he recruited her to join the court in the first place. Okay. So she was never her own person. She was always a pawn. And those headaches obviously would fester because of the clock tower, and yeah. we knew that. And But the only reason they festered and she had that reaction is because of the magic in her because it's only affecting people who are magical yeah okay yeah and then they put the key they put it in her arm and then that activated her shadow fire i really like caltane i like that she was strong enough and smart enough to destroy the demon that was inside of her Mm -hmm. and then she was clear-headed enough she gave the key back to a lead wrapped in aelin's cloak that she had given her from the prison and, you know, gave her the message and gave Elide her mission. I love that Elide has no idea what's... She knows about Aelin being alive. She knows she has to deliver this message to Selena, But she has no idea that they're one of the same. And Manon only knows Aelin as Aelin. So this is going to be so interesting. I feel like maybe at one point Elide will see Aelin. Especially since they've known each other since childhood. And then she's just going to be, like, passing in conversation. Yeah, like, now this is, like, this one thing that I do have to do because this person helped me. And Aelin's going to be just looking at her, like, what? Are you, what? <laughs> what is going on? That's me. I'm her. It's me. That's me. It me. I'm that. It's pretty fantastic. I really love Caltane because she blew up one-third of Morath. I mean, good on ya. I love that. She just, like, screwed up everybody's plans, and it's just fantastic. Well, that's this whole book. I feel like every time there was a plan, it got fucked. Yeah, pretty much. Except I I feel like the plan to free Adian wasn't as fucked. No. The only thing that they didn't count on was that Adian was injured, so he was that much slower going through everything. That's how um, they caught Dorian. But speaking of Dorian, how do we love... Manon's whole arc in this book. I think it's fantastic personally, but she's my favorite. So I like it. I like, I I find it interesting, and I don't know if people pick up on this, is every time she's, she's, she's having, she's questioning, not maybe morality, but she's questioning herself and the choices that she's making. She's thinking of 
the one witch that she killed where she says, you're made this way, you know, and it questions every decision that she makes moving forward. And I think it's on repeat in her head, everything that she does. And it takes her a while to realize that she needs to take a stand in doing, quote unquote, what's right, as opposed to taking an order. And it takes that vulnerable conversation with Astrin for things to click for her to see because even when Caltane said what she saw was happening with the yellow legs she still wasn't shifting her decision she's like well this is my decision and then when Parrington was asking for more witches they had to have like this secret meeting behind her back saying no like you know this information and you're still willing to put all of us at risk and she was so hurt but at the same time, like she wasn't giving anybody an opportunity to speak. She was driven that way because of how her grandmother was managing her and that whole scenario. And that's why I do like that Astron was like, here, here's here's the history here. This is what everybody but you knows, partly because you weren't exposed. And the other part is because of your rose-colored glasses when it comes to this situation. So I I like the growth that you see there by the end of the book. And even throughout the book, when she does the life for a life thing where she goes, Dorian's still there. She goes, I don't know. I need to get this message to her or taking care of a lead. I I think it's really important because for 118 years, she was taking orders. And this is now she's starting to take control of the direction of what she wants to see in the future, especially now that magic is back. Especially now that magic is back and they are immortal again. And, you know, that's a really important thing. Before they were, you know, they were long lived or whatever, but now they're they're strong and immortal again. And that's a huge thing. And I really like how Aelin kind of ticks off all their problems she's like you know we've got this army coming we got arrow on here we got the witches on the wyverns all of this shit is happening there's so much going on and rowan even says like looking at her she's not 19 like she's so much older and the weight of all of this would have crushed someone else it's like oh man it, it really sets it up for the next few books next two books tower of dawn kale but um, like, what's going on? I know I'm looking at your face. You're like, God, I have to read a Kale book. <laughs> That's everyone. You know, there was there was a fucking point where there is there's um this one Etsy shop. This is why I'm learning not to purchase things until I'm done. I know where I'm at with a certain thing. Because they had like this, ha- like it was a university style sweatshirt and they had Havillard and then they had like they had everybody's last names, but they were written in university style. So it could look like, oh, I went to here. I went to there. And I wanted to get a Havillard and a, and a Westfall one. I, I'm an idiot. I'm a fucking idiot. I just this is why this is the problem with having money, adult money. This is, you know, that we're like, oh, the problem with having adult money is you can buy this what you want. You can buy what you want. And I, I'm so glad that I didn't. I'm, now I have to. I'm assuming Nezrin's in that one. Tower of Dawn. Yeah. And related to the conversation, just pivoting to a different Lorcan. 
the only thing I think about Lorcan right now is how come everybody with an L name has some shitty stories going on? You have Locke with the Cruel Prince with the Folk of the Air. You have Lorcan here. Lucian ebbs and flows depending on how he's feeling that day. I, I don't know. That that was just really my biggest comment. Um, but I still don't know how that relationship or that character is going to develop. I don't understand. I mean, we know now why he came back. He really was setting Rowan up to die, basically. And then he goes, oh, crap. Adian's with him. I need to rectify my choices. <laughs> because Adian is Gabriel's son. And Gabriel's his blood brother. Right. Because and, they both have a blood oath with Maeve. Right. And they he couldn't go back to Gabriel and be dishonored having let him uh suffer. I'm I'm right now on my phone. There is one important thing about Lorcan that you should know, and that he is about six seven. Oh, that's that see, height on a man is but like I've in my head, he's not like this six, seven lanky man. Like no, he's, he's yeah. And I think <laughs> I think Rowan is like six four. Dorian is like six one. Kale's like six really feet. Dorian's tall. I always imagined yeah. him in like not five foot range, but like five foot ten, five foot eleven. No, he's I, I in my head there. Dorian hasn't hit the six foot mark. Kale has. Kale six. He's just like six foot. He's he's standard six. Lorcan is 6'7". Oh, that's hot. Yeah. Like a tree. Like a Rowan 6'4". I like that. Okay, wait. I got it. So Adian is 6'3". Rowan is 6'4". Aelin is 5'7". Kaol is 6'1". And Dorian is 6. Who's 6'1"? Kaol. Kaol's 6'1". And Dorian is 6. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah, they're all tall. I mean, I'm 5'4". They're all giants. I know. I love... Yeah, but... I don't, I mean, I'm 5'4 also, so, but I just, that doesn't, that doesn't, like, why do I want, okay, like, you're 5'10, like, if I'm wearing heels, I'm taller than you. I don't want that. I want to wear heels, and then you're still looking up. It's all very sexy. We can say a lot of things about Sarah, but Sarah writes really attractive men. Why would you want to write an unattractive man? You know, they're, even the way, okay, this is not about his personality or anything that he did, but objectively Arabin's kind of hot too redhead yeah with the eyes and he's like built and muscular like everything's very tailored yeah and yeah he's hot we know this but there's even the people that say that erewhon is hot they're all hot and it's not fair but erewhon isn't he taking over parrington's body yes but there's more there's more there I guess that I don't have a visual because Parrington to me was Duke Parrington. And I told you that I, when I think of the Duke, I think of the Duke from Moulin Rouge. Right. So I, he's not attractive to me right now. Which is fair. I think one of the most important quotes that I found in this book, and there are a lot, you know, maybe the monsters have to look out for each other every now and then. And, you know, the quotes that I mentioned earlier with Dorian. But one of the quotes that I think really gets overlooked is, when Florian, the I'm pretty sure it's Florian, the dance teacher is telling Aeland The quote about the arts? Yeah. Art is as vital to a kingdom as food. And without art, your kingdom will never last. And I think that is so beautiful and it's just kind of overlooked. It's thrown out there. And she's like, you know, wherever you are, whenever you establish your kingdom, I'll come and I will fill it with music and dancing. It's like, damn. 
And I think that's important to note because those two things have been and are so important to Aelin because, you know, no matter where she was going, where she was in her life, she kind of, that was her safe space, you know, if anything, just for her. And even from a historical standpoint, I could not tell you what they ate in the 1800s. We can assume you have like livestock and everything, but as in regards to specific dishes, I couldn't tell you. But when you speak of kingdoms and eras and different centuries, it's always surrounding art. Yeah, in all its forms, be that right. architecture or music right. or pottery or all of it. It's all it's all there. It's all very special. Even now, like when we when you travel, that's, you know, especially when you're traveling internationally in my and you know internationally for me we don't have a lot of history really here in the states except taking over other people i feel like when you go to europe or any other country you have that established history with the architecture what you're going to learn more you're not going to another beach with the same ocean and sand yeah and I think that speaks to Sarah because in each of her books, there is a, a strong focus on the arts. Like, Farah is a painter who may or may not be shitty. <laughs> Bryce dances. Aelin plays music. It's just, you know, they're, all of her heroines have back tattoos and really love the arts. And I think that's beautiful. And all the men have tattoos. The leading men. Yeah, I, I've never been one of those girls who are like a tattoo guy like you know tattoos beards biker whatever but it's very appealing here it is it's very appealing here it's opened up my mind about like oh well maybe that's we'll add that into the yes column now speaking of tattoos how did you feel when rowan pulled away on the rooftop when aelin went to touch his tattoo and he said don't touch me like that i felt bad for aelin again communication she's taking it as an outward rejection and he's saying that to her because he's thinking if he allows himself to go down that road he he can't because especially when you think of era fire he has this whole speech of not don't care about anybody if you love somebody your enemies will know that's your weakness blah 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 he makes it a point and he doesn't want to admit that his feelings for her are as deep as they are. At the same time, Aelin has finally succumbed to admitting to her feelings regarding Rowan. And it feels like a rejection because she was already like, oh, he could never like me. Of course, he doesn't want to touch me or hold me or blah, blah, blah. Like, that's why he's on the opposite side of the bed all the time. She's thinking herself a fool when really he's just like, I need to breathe, focus on breathing because I am not going to make it out of here alive if she keeps wearing that nightgown in every single color. Something very small that I'm wondering if you picked up on. Rowan and Aelin feel each other's pain. When Rowan is shot through the shoulder yeah. at the temple, she screams and she knows. And when Aelin is stabbed mm-hmm. almost in the heart by Dorian, Rowan can feel it. I assumed that it was part of their bond. That is the assumption. And that is probably true. But Aelin says something that is very important. She's talking to Adian and she's talking about Rowan. She's like, no, you know, like they shot my pause 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 Rowan 
And she she catches herself before she says anything. And the question is, like, what was she going to say? I did catch that part because was she going to say, like, my Rowan, my love, my Karenam? Or she's like, she was going to say, he shot my mate. But then I, I still am not familiar with how mates work because Rowan has had his his mate, but she hasn't had hers. So maybe it's like an unrequited mate thing for this scenario. But then I think of the extra chapter in Era Fire where Ramil, she makes a comment not knowing who Aelin is, or Selena at that point. Oh, well, mates are like few and far between like people can love each other and people get married and then they have that whole conversation of like there are people who are married and they love each other and then they find their mate and wars happen over that so i i wasn't sure if how this is going because i keep wanting to say like they're mates but i also know that he's already had a mate maybe there's something else i just maybe it's possible to have two mates because the first one died (laughs) And then you circle back to Lorcan when Lorcan attacks, I mean, surprises, I guess, Aelin, and he's got the knife to her throat and he's asking, like, where are the keys? Where are the keys? Where are the keys? And Rowan is like two seconds away from telling him yeah. because he he's so upset with his own personal failure not to protect Aelin. And he, he just wants her to be safe. And He said a minute longer. He goes, I would have given him anything, everything. Mm-hmm. And you find out later, it's like it's a double whammy. He goes, I failed you. Because he's like thinking he failed her in the blood oath. He failed her as a friend. They've both openly admitted that it's more than friendship, but they don't know what it is. Like they just know it's their connection is so deep. Calling it friendship is almost a disservice to what they share. And I think that's beautiful. But he obviously he's still he's still processing just like when they went to the market and there were girls handing out flowers. She just thought to herself, shit, shit, shit. I shouldn't have done this. I didn't even cross my mind like his mate was one of these girls. And that's probably where his mind is going right now. And I think that's that also is really important that she respects him in that capacity too just like you had mentioned that he respected her in regards to sam speaking of sam when they're at the graveyard she says you know maybe you were my mate and i didn't know it and maybe when we're dead i will finally know and i think that's really beautiful and going back to lorkin lorkin says something that is important lorkin says you know rowan what's going to happen when she's old and she looks like your mother you know what's going to happen you're immortal Yes, but I feel like that was said before magic is like her human form is her animal form. And it's not like she's half fae. She's fully fae. And magic is back. So I feel like that comment just is obsolete. Well, and this is not a spoiler because Adian kind of talks about it too. There is something called a settling. So once you reach a certain age, a full-blooded fae, or even a half fae, because Adian has to go through it too, you find out one way or the other. Oh, I didn't understand that. I thought he, I thought it was kind of said because he's half. Isn't he half? Mm -hmm. No, he's full. Well, we don't really know. See, that's, I guess that's like where the whole Gabriel storyline was throwing me off. Because his mom is sisters with Aelin's mom. That's why they're cousins. And that's why Rowan's like, wait, how far removed are you as cousins? And they were like, our moms are sisters. I don't know what to tell you. So because they're sisters, 
obviously Aelin's mom is Faye, so I think I just assumed that that meant Adian's mom is Faye. And then we know Gabriel is Faye also, so I didn't understand how Adian is demi-Faye. Are you following? I uh, No, you are making sense. So, okay, so how is he demi if I th- I just, I thought he was fully Faye? That's the question, isn't it? I'm not going to answer you. Okay. So, I okay. But I'm present like, I've, I've absorbed You're presenting the points, fa- yeah. I've absorbed the facts correctly, right? Like, I haven't had a disconnect? No, you're connected. Okay. That's, I guess that's where I was, I, that's where I was going. I go, okay, I know his mom is Faye. I know his. His biological dad is gay. Faye. And I don't know. It could be. I guess that's where I was confused. Like, why would he be Demi if... Oh, no. I don't know. Aiden has yet to settle. He hasn't reached the age. Aelin also... I mean, let's remember she's 19. Yeah. Aiden is like, I think, 21, 22. He's not that much older than she is. But there is an age that you reach where you settle and like that's what you are forever. I like that. But that that reminds me of the drop. Yeah, they choose. But you when can they choose. Want to, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, this all gets resolved. Is all I'm gonna say. Unrelated. I want Adian and Lysandra to be a thing at some point. Oh, because they're flirting a bit. Yeah. Well, and and Lysandra, her look when she sees Rowan and Aelin, she's like that. I want that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I and I was reading that part, and I go, she sounds like me three days ago. <laughs> I, I was, want that. I told you, I was like, I want that. And then I got heated about uh, somebody we know. And I was like, ah, I think I'm just, I'm just heated and I'm going to bed. Goodbye. <laughs> That's usually how, how Laura's mornings start. <laughs> I'm just cranky and tired. And I said, I'm going to bed. I will talk to you in a couple hours. Yeah, because we have a six hour time difference. So it is, it is wonderful to wake up to <laughs> notes about books that I really love and videos. Let's, let's mention your tears. I, I think that's a good way to end this episode, too. Tell me about your tears when you were finishing up this book. So I had two parts that I cried. I didn't mean to cry. The first part was when she, they were were going to go into the glass castle. And she's like, and we're going to rattle the stars. And I just, I love, from based on previous episodes, if you know, I love that quote. I love the quote in its entirety. And the importance of it, that it's not just a rattle the stars, like the depth of understanding who you are as a person and and discovering not being your own blockade and things. And I think that's so important. And so I was fine. I read it and I was typing it out to Laura to let her know where I was in the book. And I just started crying. I go, that's such a, it's just that quote is beautiful. So who knows i definitely already ordered the pants from the sweatpants from chasing chapters so we'll see if i make it more permanent then the end of the book i think i I just cried at the end it was happy it was so beautiful it was such a nice it was such a nice scene that i feel like i could visualize closing one chapter starting another it was all very symbolic and i i wasn't devastating tears it was it was it was very happy tears I'll probably start Empire of Storms today after work. God, I hope you get some sleep. You need to sleep. I, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I don't know. Like, this is, I'm, I don't sleep when I read Sarah's stuff. I just, I naturally just want to be up all the time or I'm, I don't know. It is compelling. It is compelling. You do want to know what happens. And especially in Empire of Storms, it's fast. There's a lot going on. It's very fast paced. So you will absolutely enjoy it. And then 
you won't. Oh, don't. That's that on that. So next week, I know we kind of threw things off. This episode is obviously being aired on February 22nd, which means Silver Flames is already out, which means next week we get to share our pretty, I, I think we could say like, initial visceral reaction to Silver Flames. Right. We won't have processed it yet. Yeah, I feel like everybody's going to be reading Silver Flames and then we're going to have to do a reread because you're just, you want everything all at once and nothing has settled yet. So that's everyone's heads up of where we are at in our episode lineup. (laughs) So feel free to follow us on Instagram at Acafe Podcast, A-C-O-F-A-E Podcast. We'll keep uploading snippets, sharing things on our stories, giving everybody shout outs. I love giving everybody shout outs. It's so nice to spread the positivity. And I love when other accounts, they do like these formal follow for follows and shout outs and follow trains. I think it's so special because sometimes you don't even know what accounts exist until you just start randomly tapping around and making book friends. I think it's been so fun. The book community is a fantastic community and we are honored and privileged to be a part of it. So thank you so much for accepting us. And we look forward to next week's episode. Have fun. Bye.